Chase, Spike Pit. Um, really enjoyed your GM's journal. Reason being, uh, I always like that peek behind the curtain, the making of type of stuff. And uh, you told the whole story from beginning to end. I think if you'd have left off your final part on Saturday, like you say, you would have been missing some closure. So I look forward to you doing some more. It's um, interesting you mentioned Angry's book as well. Uh, I'd not heard about that. And um, might have to have a little look into that. Although I'm not a massive fan of the uh, how-to GM stuff because uh, I find it quite a personal process. But I'm always looking for... uh, tidbits and little ideas so it sounds like there could be a few in there I like the four P's see you mate welcome to Roleplay Rescue's GM's Journal my name is Che Webster and I'll be taking you behind the scenes of my own Game Master journey each journal features my audio notes recorded here and there over the weeks between my regular gaming sessions. Assembled into a rough edit, these notes form a journal and let you take a peek behind the GM screen. But be warned, there are spoilers aplenty for anyone who plays at any of my gaming sessions. GM's Journey is always released as a bonus episode and not until the session I am planning for has been played through. That makes GM's Journal a pretty irregular feature. That being said, I hope that listeners can find something to take away into their own journey back to the gaming table. Hey Shay, Reese Laundry here. Fine, you pressured me into actually making a call in and not just leaving you the message on MeWe. Just wanted to say I really enjoyed the uh, DM journal bonus episode you posted. Appreciate uh, hearing somebody else's take on the process, and I uh, was not expecting the full live-action walkthrough, so that was kind of fun. As I uh, said online, I think it will be interesting to uh, have some follow-up and maybe see some differences between... Uh, newbie versus experienced players and one shot versus campaign play that sort of thing so looking forward to upcoming episodes always enjoy the show and i'll probably be talking to you again ciao brother hello folks and big thanks to colin spike pit green there leading in our episode um great feedback from you dude and also jerry's laundry welcome to like anchor and welcome to like sending in phone ins. I love these call ins. It's absolutely great. So thank you guys. Um, Reese, you're getting your wish because, yep, this is episode two. And also, I am going to talk about getting ready for my big campaign. So without any further ado, here's the episode. It's Saturday morning, exactly a week after the one shot game that I spoke about in the first GM's journal. It's also. The first day of the school holiday it's half term and it's great because i have a whole week to get ready for the game next friday that's when we start the fire citadel of the dragon kings i've got a lot of work to do but i do have the time to do it which is great because actually it turns out there's an awful lot to do i'm creating an open table game 
it's going to be featuring a mega dungeon. It's also going to be featuring a hex crawl. And it's the latter bit that might turn out to be the most time-consuming thing. I started creating the Fire Citadel maps some weeks ago for the school club. There's actually quite a sizable chunk of dungeon that actually the kids at school had started to explore. That didn't go so well for them last week, but we did have a really great gaming session. The great thing is, though, that now that the kids are out of that section of the dungeon, it is an optional entry point for the Friday group. It is my intention with this campaign, running with two groups, to have the same dungeon actually running with both groups. And that means I'm going to have to pay a lot more attention to timekeeping than I ever have. That's that whole Gary Gygax quote about you can't have a meaningful campaign without good timekeeping. I think that the truth of that may come home for me. So we're going from a one-shot last weekend to actually the beginning of an ongoing open table campaign using a mega dungeon and a hex crawl. And I want to take you through the journey of my preparation this week. I did a crazy thing. I actually bought a microphone that plugs into my iPhone. It's a nice piece of kit and it's allowed me to actually go and record um, a few snippets of stuff as I'm doing it. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to share just a few of the things that happened during the week between the game of, on Friday last week and now before I start taking you forward into my process over the next week or so. And I guess that this will get released after the game session on Friday. Last night, the Friday Night Gamers um, agreed that we they would very much like to play a campaign set in Mistermere and focused around the Fire Citadel of the Dragon Kings, which is just awesome for me. I've been dreaming about that place for, like, years, <laughs> since I was a kid, and... Uh, in the last two or three years, it's been a project that I've actually actively been working towards doing and bringing to life, which is brilliant. Um, of course, when I conceived it, I was working very closely with Rod Leary, the author of a classic fantasy supplement for Mithras, the Mithras role-playing game. Mithras is D100 gaming done incredibly well. It used to be called RuneQuest 6, and is produced by the design mechanism. One of the great things is that Rod and I have been working on um, hex crawling stuff. He has written a set of rules which are intended to go in the Unearthed Companion, something he's working on right now. Um, but a section of those rules was taken and published in the back of the Moonspike Tower module that I wrote back last, last year or so. It was published early in 2018. So on page 23 of that, there's the Anminster Encounters um, section of rules and it outlines a system for hex crawling um, and a whole load of encounter tables for the region and actually if you go to page 32 you even find the regional map of Mr. Mir, which is just awesome it's like there's my setting and obviously Rod and I we agree to bring it into Greymore his setting um, which is just the coolest thing ever the fire set of the dragon kings is actually in a different kind of slightly different location and there is a map for that too. It's unpublished right now, but it's going to be, I'm going to use it. Rod and I worked on it um, about 18 months ago or so. And um, what I've done this morning is I've printed off a copy of that. Now, I guess the main thing I need to say for people who aren't familiar with classic fantasy is that 
Rod and his hex crawling operates on a, I don't know, a slightly different scale and a slightly different way to the traditional ways, I suppose. So he has regional hex maps that are 30 miles. Um, and he has in those, he has 10 hexes, which are each of three miles. And his system includes kind of the move time is just basically simply measured in hex movement, which is great. It's nice and simple and straightforward. And I'm just going to steal and port that straight into my campaign on Friday nights. There's two reasons. One, it's easy and it's already written and the maps already exist. And there is absolutely no reason me redrawing all of my maps. I have detailed maps of Mr. Mir, which I can just augment and develop and, and, and make better, but which exist. And the second reason is that I want to keep the door open on the potential of publishing the Fire Citadel of the Dragon Kings. And I offered it first and, and to Rod and... I don't know. I don't want to close that door. So as I'm going forward and preparing a campaign, which we're playing on Friday nights, and yes, which is going to be using Castles and Crusades, its core system, I'm going to keep in mind all the time that it's a short step and a very easy thing to do to convert everything across to classic fantasy. I suspect, to be honest with you, you know, I won't be help, able to help myself, but to create and stat things out as they're needed for classic fantasy. It is, after all, the game I love the most. But we are going to try for a campaign, a real classic field campaign, using Classes of Crusades. And it's going to, I'm going to be testing out the stuff I've been talking about the Mega Dungeon and the Hex Crawl, and eventually the Mystery. I want to get those three game structures under my belt and really bring those to the table. So. Fair warning to listeners, if you are a player in any of my games, you basically don't want to be listening to any of these journal entries. You want to leave them well alone. But otherwise, well, you know, I hope there might be something of interest. So I have decided that because um, I'm taking advice from Tim Shorts, actually. Tim Shorts' advice is don't share until you've done it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my prep and then periodically I'm going to record a journal update and i'm going to string all those together to and release them after things have gone in play so whether this stuff ever sees light of day i don't know but that's what i'm going to do i personally find actually um so far that journaling what i'm doing is helping kind of keep me going with my prep it is actually a healthy thing so without any further ado i'm going to go and actually do some work on this game on just in the spirit of keeping up with my journal. Spent most of the day today working through using Scabbard, which is an online um, service that allows you to kind of categorise and record your campaign world. And I've been experimenting with codifying the dungeons. I have my first map um, um, area of the dungeon, and I've just kind of been trying to get that into um, Scabbard. It's been an interesting thing because... It, it appears to be a powerful tool. There's lots of um, links between different locations and such, but it is actually fairly time-consuming to update and to add to. I guess there's a learning curve here. But, you know, it's positive, and it's helped me work out a few ideas, which have been really good. So, there you go. That's the day today. Right, it's a few days until the game. I've got about maybe three or four days. And it is the holidays, which is brilliant, so I've got time. But I'll tell you what, I've been really struggling with motivation. I've been really feeling like worried about it and nervous about it. And I don't think this is an unusual feeling for me. 
I think this might be one of the reasons why I actually end up not prepping games and bailing on games a lot. I get this sense of like, I don't know what to do. I know that I've said in the past that I've read Sly Flourish's Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master book, and it's a very much an improv book, and I wasn't comfortable with that. But I'll tell you what is brilliant, is there is a Lazy DM preparation process um, in the workbook that kind of sits alongside the main book. Um, on page four, there is a whole kind of series of checklist stuff. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to use that checklist to make sure I'm ready for a game on Friday. Now I am going to be blending, you know, the Mega Dungeon stuff I want to do and the Hex Call stuff I want to do with the kind of Sly Forish Lazy DMs kind of way. But I think this gives me a structure. And with a structure, I can kind of move forward because at the moment I just feel paralyzed. So I've looked at the Lazy DMs checklist. I've got it in front of me. And the first step is to review the characters. I can't do that because we're going to create them on the night. Although it does mean that going forward, if I know who's coming on the night, you know, the first thing I can do is fix on those characters in my mind and get to know their names and all the other things that um, Sly Forish encourages. The second thing is to create a strong, strong start. So I'm going to focus on doing that next. I'm going to basically create a key opening scene for the campaign. And then the next step is to outline some potential scenes. And I think I've got a few ideas in my mind, so I'm just going to outline those. And I think that's going to be, um, you know, again, give me structure on how I can move forward. The next step is to define secrets and clues. There are loads of those buzzing around my head, so I just kind of need to get them down. And then develop fantastic locations. And once again, there are loads of those in my mind as well. There are very key, there are key places on the hex map. There's key places that I, I want them to be able to visit, so I can start to you know, develop those. The next step is outlining important NPCs. Again, easy for me to do. There are lots of ideas in my head. I just need to get them down. And then choose relevant monsters and select magic item rewards. And I think those last two. Um, that can kind of be fed from the rest. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to focus on the Lazy DM's checklist and just see how that goes in helping my prep. Of course, I need to like get my hex map sorted out and my hex mapping rules and how I'm going to run that. And yes, I need to sort out the dungeon. But I think for me that this is a great place to start. Um, and I think like that fantastic locations thing, obviously the mega dungeon feeds into that really big in a slightly different way to how perhaps Sly Flourish intended it. But I, I do think there is wisdom in this sort of approach. So that's what I'm going to do. In beginning my prep, um, I found a really useful chapter in Sly Flourish's Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master. Chapter 16, which you can pay, find on page 47, um, is entitled Building a Lazy Campaign. And it kind of sort of leafs out a few uh, ideas that I found really useful. Now... Obviously, because this journal is possibly going to be listened to by my players, um, I really don't want to spoil any details, but I wanted to mention that I found it really helpful. There's a, a little section entitled Building a Campaign Hook, which is kind of get a simple, simple sentence. What is your campaign fundamentally about? And um, I think that that is like really powerful. Secondly, there was a little bit on stating six truths of your world. Um, and the idea of these was basically to share these things with players um, to help them in guiding their their um, characters. And I can share those because I'm going to share them with the guys on Friday. 
So the six truths of Mr. Mir are back in the mists of time, an ancient race built a network of magical moon gates to allow instantaneous travel across their lands. 1,200 years ago, the Dragon Kings conquered all Mr. Mir and brought it under their rule by using the moon gates as bases for invasion. 400 years ago, an allied army of subjugated races rose to overthrow the Dragon Kings and, using the moon gates, launched an assault against their fire citadel on the Isle of Fire. After the war, the Great Alliance withdrew from the Isle and elven sorcerers summoned a mighty and everlasting storm to block any return. The Lords of the Alliance agreed to u- that the use of moon gates, knowledge of the Dragon Kings and old lore about the Isle of Fire should be destroyed. The wizard Valen has recently discovered how to activate the moon gate that stands in Zorastor. He claims to know the runic sigils needed to open a portal to the Isle of Fire. So those are my six truths that I'm going to give to players on Friday. Little bit of paper, bam, those down there. And I'm hoping that that helps them kind of set the tone of what the campaign flavour is going to be and helps them choose characters. And then finally, there's this little bit of advice on defining fronts. And this comes from Dungeon World, I think. I'll just read a little bit from the book. It says, One final act of campaign preparation can help you focus on the prime motivators within your campaign. Fronts are a creation from the game Apocalypse World by D. Vincent Baker and popularised in Dungeon World by Adam Coble and Sage Latora, but we're going to simplify the concept here. Fronts represent the big movies of the campaign. Most often the primary villains of a campaign act as the campaign's fronts, but looming cataclysmic events also fill this role. Smaller campaigns might only have one or two fronts, and larger campaigns might have as many as six, but for the Way of the Lazy Dungeon Master, three fronts is a good number for most campaigns. And it goes on to explain just very briefly how to set those up. So I've set up for myself three fronts. One of those is Valin, and I've basically set up his goal, and kind of the three grim portents are supposed to be the visible steps that show his progress. So I've set him up, and the players will... I think initially at least, be invited to work for him. And I've set up two others, and I'm going to keep those silent for now and private for now. But um, I think what it's good about this is it's kind of helping me um, outline some of the factions, if you like, fronts or factions is the way I probably would have thought about it in the past. But I think it's a useful tool. Um, and I do take the point um, that Sly Flourish makes in the book on page 49. He says that, it's helpful to steer the mind away from what might happen. You know, fronts can help you steer your attention away from making assumptions about how the game's going to go. When you look at your three fronts and assess what's happening with them, you don't know which campaign threads the characters will chase down or cut off. So then you stop worrying about the idea is that you stop worrying about what might happening might happen, sorry, and you worry about what's happening right now. And then with that comes this idea of a spiral campaign, the idea that you focus on what matters to the characters right now and you spiral that out to build more and more of the world as you need it, which makes perfect sense to me. What I'm going to be doing is creating the Isle of Fire. That already exists as a map. Um, And obviously the Fire Citadel itself is a dungeon, which is under construction. Um, But also the other bits that are needed in the campaign are just going to be built as needed. And I think this is a really helpful tip. So... Hmm, rethinking um, a lot about what I'm doing here. I guess I'm blending approaches and techniques, but I hope that's of some use.
Okay, quick progress update. It's taken me a little bit of time this morning, what with errands and things, but I basically got what I consider to be a pretty strong start. To be fair, I'd already decided that the um, game would start with a meeting um, of the master of the Dragon's, Ta- Dragon's Talon Thieves Guild, Jalil, and the group. However, with events um, that kind of happened at the school club, namely the guys kind of went through the moon gate and went to the fire citadel and then got their asses kicked and um, have retreated. I decided that this would be the trigger for um, the kind of wider campaign. And so I'm starting with the revelation that the king is dead. The king of Zorastor has been killed. Martial law has been declared throughout the whole of the port city of Zorastor. And King's Guard have been deployed to protect all the key locations in the city. The Market Square, which is where the Moongate is, the docks, the Great Temple, the Palace, and the College of Wizardry. And the party, and I really must stop calling them heroes, because I really do want to emphasise a sense of a game about power and about uh, riches, rather than anything heroic. Trying to get back to the original feel of the game. But the heroes will be going through the Red Lantern district towards the Jaunty Courtesan Inn, where they have a meeting with Jalil. And I'm going to kick it off with... Uh, my plan is to have them kind of interact with some King's Guard who are on the inn doors. Perhaps a first clue, really. The aim is here to have a first clue that something unusual is going on within. And there's an opportunity for a little bit of an interaction there, which will be fun. So I've put together my four um, P's for a, a Sergeant Garrick of the King's Guard and, and various kind of stuff there. His objections to letting them in. Um, and then once they get into the, the inn, um, I just sort of set up a rough kind of description of the place and give them a little bit of an opportunity to do the standard thing of, you know, if they want to buy stuff. I've taken the time to make up a bill of fare of what's available. Um, but then we get into the meat of it, which is to kick off this game is the meeting with Jalil and they get the idea is they get hired for the job to go through the moon gate to the Isle of Fire that's the plan um what I want to do though is I've decided that there is a three-way alliance being born here between Jalil who's a broker uh you know using the thieves guild to broker a meeting between two other people Valin who is the wizard who has actually kind of the knowledge of how to use the moon gates and Zemlock uh, Lord Zemlock, who is the newly appointed regent. And what I'm trying to do here is give a reason why the Moongate in Zorastor can be used, because up until this point, I've established with the kids at school, I established them that it was illegal to step within 12 paces of the Moongate, um, which is within the huge market square at the heart of Zorastor, um, on pain of death. So I kind of needed a, a way of making legitimate and regular use of this Moongate um, possible. And the simplest and sort of most fun answer that I came up with was simply that we would overthrow the current uh, regime. And Lord Zemlock uh, has his own reasons for wanting to allow Valin this opportunity to explore the Isle of Fire. So that's the setup so far. What I need to do is think next about 
the potential scenes that come from there and defining my secrets and clues and develop a few fantastic locations. So that's what I'm going to work on next. Okay, lots of further progress today. And I'm kind of reaching the limit of what I can do, I think, this afternoon. Kind of getting tired. Um, first of all, I've updated the Isle of Fire hex map, which I'd originally designed like um, last year sometime, or year, maybe even the year before. All I've done is simply added the location of the moon gate to the map, and then I've changed the name of the map. Um, and I've actually ordered a copy. I've decided to order and get a big printed copy A3, uh, in full colour, and I've had that ordered to will be delivered by Thursday, which means I'll have a, a copy of that map for play at the table. I've also taken an excerpt of that. The whole thing, by the way, was was done in Hexographer. I've taken an, an excerpt from that and I've dropped it into some notes, um, really, for the beginning of the hex crawl. And in between the opening scene and them sort of arriving, and I'm presuming that, you know, it's going to head in this direction... I've actually added uh, a scene meeting Jalil, uh, as I think I mentioned before, where they can meet the Council of Three, Valen, Jalil, and uh, Lord Zemlock. And then from there, I've added some exposition, which Valen will give them about moon gates and how they work and how, they, and how they're operated. And then I've decided to set up an encounter, I think try and you know, heighten this. And also I wanted to introduce uh, another one of the... Um, the factions, the fronts, as um, the Lazy Dungeon Master would say. Um, and so when they go to the marketplace to use the um, Moongate, I've decided to have um, some agents of the Silence Strike. Um, and these are elves shooting short bows. Um, and I've kind of set up this four-ish round scene uh, or encounter really um, and it's very much weighted to allow for um, the PCs to make it across the the square, activate the moon gate and get out but kind of put some pressure on them to do so and I kind of fingers crossed that that will work well I don't know, it's very un-me really but I'm going for this kind of slightly programmed um, scene um, and I think what I'm doing at the moment, I'm kind of blending techniques that I've read and picked up. So there's a bit of the Lazy Dungeon Master. There's a bit of Angry GM. Um, and there are probably lots of other little sources that are coming to, to play. But um, the time-consuming bit has been setting up the notes that I feel comfortable. And kind of each scene or each encounter is a side of A4 with um, a little, well, a block of um, sort of readable text, actually, because I feel comfortable writing those and I think it's much easier for me to present them and then kind of notes so my encounter page actually has space for tracking hit points and the creatures um, and a bit of a kind of tactical plan because I'm really bad at remembering what the tactical plan was um, I've got interaction scenes which have I've kind of used the angry GM's approach of having um, the the objections and the incentives to whatever it is that the uh, PCs are trying to do. And then general scenes are kind of notes, and I've just kind of bullet pointed out all the things and bits of information that I'd like them to know. And I can kind of tick those off as I play through. 
So that's kind of where I'm up to. Looking ahead, I now need to create several locations that are on the hex map. I need three basically sketched out, one of those in a lot of detail. I kind of, the town of refuge, I need to do in fair detail, and that's my plan tomorrow. Um, there's also the tower, Dragon Watch, and there's also a place on the map called Ghast Ruin, and all in range of um, the Moon Gate. So it's possible the players would go there, and I'd like to make sure I've got outline notes for each. So that's my plan going forward, which I hope sounds okay. I'm feeling really positive, actually. I feel like I've made progress. Along the way, I've learned a few things as well. Um, oh, and I've made one or two extra bits and bobs. So I've made myself some creature cards. Um, so I've kind of taken the monster stats or creature stats, um, put them onto little um, printable cards, uh, which are about the size of a... Um, what do you call it? A, a postcard size thing. I can't remember what they're called now. This is kind of obviously a big nod to Colin Spike Pit, who uh, kind of suggested using um, those kind of cards. Uh, so I've printed up my stats for that. And of course, once I've got stats for a creature, I've got the stats forever, and I've got them printed off, and I can put them in a file box, and that's handy. I've also created for myself um, a couple of print-offs. So I've done... Oh, what have I done? <laughs> oh, I've done a Rise of Dragon Kings kind of uh, intro thing for the players, which has on there the overall goal of the campaign and their six truths and their invitation, the initial kind of encounter invitation. So I've done that. I aim, I just need to find and print out some kind of time tracking sheet because I want to track the time really clearly. This mission, this initial session's mission is a three-hour window and the heroes basically have to kind of go... Um, scout and get back in and there's a three-hour window for them so that should make for a fun evening with Tommy's on characters introduced the adventure got them there and then they have their three hours on the island I should have more than enough material um, and then obviously they come back in time for um, you know the end of the session which is the plan each session remember is an open table so each session has to stand on its own I can't expect players to always be there so they each, the end of each session they kind of need to either come back to a central point where all the characters are um, or come back to Zorastor the, the actual home base um, okay so that's me kind of done for today I think and I'll update you again once I make some more progress hopefully tomorrow yay feeling good actually it's good Okay, so another day. Deb went to work um, early this morning. It's the good thing about being on holiday. She slips out about 6am. And I spent the last, I don't know, couple of hours or so um, just editing some hex crawl rules. Um, what I've done is I've taken the rules from Classic Fantasy, um, designed by Rod Leary. Um, now, I guess i got to fess up here. I've been involved in playtesting um rules wilderness rules for classic fantasy since about 2016 um what i did is i took the document because i love mithras classic fantasy so much and i think the system is great i took that set of rules and i've just edited it uh, mostly edited it down and simplified a few things here and there but basically kept most of it and um that's been really good a really really positive experience um and it's also kind of effectively meant that i've, I've read it which is which is really good and I like the rules, so I'm going to try those out in my in my system, uh, in my in my campaign. Um, it includes a lot of detail. So um, there's like the whole kind of usual sort of hex crawl movement rules and stuff like that. Um, 
I'm not going to spoil any of it because it's not my work really and I don't want to get in the way of Rod publishing that. Um, but it's great because it includes kind of rules for like navigation checks, you know, during the day. Um, it recalls kind of like rules for uh, going up hills and mountains, stuff for hunting and foraging, um, and even sort of an idea for a disease and other bits and bobs. Um, I absolutely think it's great and detailed. So that's really, really cool. Um, the only thing I did is I added um, a couple of things from the Alexandrian. So I added in um, a few notes on navigating by landmark using and using a compass as well. Uh, just very simple stuff there I nicked from him. So I really have got kind of um, a whole set of uh, extra rules. I've both read them and edited them and I'm kind of happy to go with them. And that's a really good morning. So I guess it's back to... Um, prepping the adventure for Friday. But, you know, the main thing is I've done this work on the hex crawl and that's kind of done. Um, so pending pay test and obviously, like, kind of seeing how it goes, this should be fine. And I'm really feeling smug about that. So that's great. Um, okay, so next up for me is getting back to kind of creating secrets and thinking about some key locations on my hex map. Awesome. Just spent a fun and pretty productive hour working on secrets. Took the advice of Slow Flourish and tried to come up with 10 secrets for the session. Did that, that's good. I'm obviously not gonna share any of them. Um, but then I took it a step further. I decided to apply the three clue rule. So for each, each of those secrets, there are three clues. And what that did is created for me a heck of a lot of rumor material. So I went on and I've created a rumor table for my session. And what I decided to do, taking a tip from Tim Shorts, is to use a 3D6 bell curve for my rumor table. And each session, um, I'm taking the idea from the Alexandrian of each PC making a charisma check. Um, at 18 plus, they get a rumor from the table. And what I'm going to do each session is uh, any rumors that are found or come across, I'm going to remove them. And obviously, each session is to replace them with new rumors based on whatever the players have been doing or whatever's going on around. So as I create new secrets uh, each session, I'll also add in new rumors. And that kind of keeps that going. Um, and it's been fun. I found I had enough for 18 rumors in total i had enough for 16 of them to be absolutely true so there's only a couple of falsities i think a low false rate is good but having false is fun um and i made a note of those in my in my notes for personal reference but other than that it's great so that was a really exciting and useful hour um next i need to get back to um the art of fire and i need to actually customize my wandering monster tables though so i'm going to do that next that will also uh, deal with a few of my secrets because some of the clues uh, actually I'm going to take another tip from um, Tim Shorts and include some uh, random encounter stuff that effectively are clues um, which is great I'm having lots of fun at the moment it's all good okay I just spent an hour or so working on Isle of Fire encounter tables basically again taken the example tables from an old uh, Mithras class of fantasy module um, and then what I've done is edited those uh, into the shape that I want to have so actually pretty much largely unchanged uh, I've got encounters for so I dropped the civilized land ones out because Fire Island isn't civilized and even with one town or village on it it's not civilized. So I've got a forest table, a highlands table, a lowlands table, 
uh, a wetlands table, um, a freshwater encounter table for sort of rivers and lakes. Okay, so that's all there. What I'd done though is one of the things I didn't like in classic fantasy was how on a random encounter you roll d100 on a 1 to 25 or 115 in some tables you get like no encounter and I've decided to replace that with clue encounter and taking from Tim Short's ideas of having encounters with clues I've done a separate uh, GM's clue encounter table which I've I've again filled out with some things I want to give clues to from my secrets and just some interesting things as well, uh, which kind of point at stuff that's going on around. And I'm going to pr- try and keep the clue encounter table kind of updated um, session by session, really. Kind of anything that's used, I'll cross off and kind of replace with something new. Um, so that'll be fun as well. So there we go. I've now got the random encounter tables done. So it means that I've really got the hex crawl stuff down. I don't think there's much I need to worry about. Just now locations in the hex crawl. And there are basically three of those to worry about before Friday. I think I need to think about the Village of Refuge. I think I need to think about Gastown, um, or at least a rough idea of that. And I need um, Dragon Watch Tower because those are three locations that are likely to come up. So here we go. Um, first, I think, mm, some lunch. <coughs> It's Thursday morning and I'm feeling pretty demotivated about this actually. I was thinking last night that, you know, tomorrow night, Friday night, I'm going to have two players. I've spent something in a region of nine, maybe ten hours over the last three days prepping. And I kind of think that, yeah, I think this happens a lot. I kind of hit a low point, a low energy point. This morning I got up and after Deb went to work, I decided that I'd sit down and record an episode for the podcast because that's where my creative energy kind of was and I'm doing that and just kind of paused because I just realized that I don't want to do any prep today. I think what I might do is actually go away and play something else. I'm on my own today um, and that's fine. I've got this holiday, you know, I should be enjoying myself but I don't really want to sit and just sort of watch TV or read or whatever. I there's been a lot of talk about the black hack and um, I think I'm kind of tempted to have a look at that again. It's a game that I, I dismissed a while ago because there's a couple of things I really didn't like. But listening to Matt Jackson talk about it on his podcast, which by the time this gets released will probably be ancient history. But listening to Matt, he, he hated those things but has come to love them in play and so there's a part of me who wants to try it. And for a solo game, because one of the things I hate about black hack is that you don't roll a dice to GM. That might just turn out to be perfect for soloing. Of course, I also want a GURP solo, um, Dungeon of Fantasy. Um, but I don't know. Maybe what I just need is a, a low, a low diff in a low difficulty day. I don't know. I'm recording this because I know that this is something that happens to me. That I have a lot of enthusiasm for a while and then it dips. Like as I get closer to the event as well. But there's time tomorrow. Um, there isn't that much to do. I do have stuff for a game. Um, but I, I wanted to be honest with you guys. I wanted to share that, you know, I'm struggling actually. And this is how my motivation goes. I don't know if this is just me, um, but it certainly feels like just me. And this is, I think, how I hit the flakiness. So there you go. Thursday, I'm going to take a day away from prepping the campaign. Let's see what happens.
Okay, so something cool just happened. I just got some post and I've gone into the kitchen. I'm just grabbing some skizzers to open. I've got a tube and I think I know what's in the tube and I kind of, I don't know, it's a bit of a Tim Shorts unboxing moment, isn't it? Anyway, um, I just want to kind of just snip along the tape. There we go. Um, pull it off. Okay. Um, and inside, ooh, bubble wrapped as well. I um, I use Docs Direct, by the way, in the UK, and they always send a sweetie, so I've got a Swizzler Snap Crackle today. So that's cool. Um, so yeah, I've got this bubble wrapped thing. Uh, it's kind of tube. And I'm just going to snip the bubble wrap, because, yeah, a moment of vague excitement. Um, there we go. Oh, take off. Alright, unrolling. What have I got? It is an A3. Very, like about 300 GSM map of the Isle of Fire, which I'm going to use at the table. Now, A3 is perfect because I can see the detail, but it's not too big. It can go in front of me on the table. So, wow, Isle of Fire in full colour, my hex map for Friday. Yeah, that's picked me up a little bit, actually. That's cool. Still think I'm going to take a day break, um, but, yeah. Woohoo! Isle of Fire in my hands. Hex map, here we come. Cool. All right, then, it's Friday morning. I think I have a lot better today. I had a really low day yesterday. And I kind of, I was listening actually to Jason Hobbs' Random Screed podcast, and there was this just episode, and he was rambling on, in a really good way, by the way, but rambling on about expectations and how, like, they're a killer. And I realized that I kind of set myself up here with such high expectations for my game tomorrow that I'm kind of over-prepping, doing too much. So I kind of decided this morning I'm just going to strip things back and keep it simple. I've got just a handful of things to sort out. I need to sort of pull my binder together of all my notes. I've printed off so much stuff, just need to organise it. Um, but on top of that, all I've really got to do is just make sure I've got something for um, a couple of the locations on the on the hex map and you know the stuff that's in closest range and they're most likely to go to. And then that's it. I'm going to call it. And actually, I also realised uh, I kind of need to... Um, yeah, just not expect anything in particular other than a good night. You know, gonna we're gonna roll up some characters, um, and then we're gonna gonna get playing, and we'll see where it goes. One of the things I have decided to do originally, I'd kind of given them a three-hour window between when they go to the island and when they get back, and I'm just gonna extend that out and give them a full 24 hours, which logically makes a bit more sense anyway. Um, but I also just kind of want to give them the time to explore and go hex crawling. I realised actually thinking about it, that I've never really done a hex crawl before. So this is uncharted territory for me, and I'm nervous about it. And therefore, I'm trying to overcompensate and trying to overprep. So, you know, screw it. Basically, I'm going to get those last bits and bobs done, pull my folders together, and we're going to game tonight. And uh, let's see what happens. So, here we go. It's Friday morning, and uh, it's game night tonight. I'm actually pretty up for it. I'm really excited now. Just need to lose those expectations. Okay, just a quick update. Um, 
I basically made myself uh, some panels to put onto my GM screen. So I got a nice Mr. Mir Rise of the Dragon King screen. I've just been going through my folder and clearing out all the old stuff from my previous classic fantasy campaign, um, which is about two years ago now. And in there, I discovered lots of things. So basically held on to all of my keynotes for places like Anminster, which is just up the road from Zora Store in his campaign, and various other places that I'd created. I've held on to all those old notes, which is fantastic. And in there, amazingly, I also found some hand-drawn maps for something that actually uh, might get published by the design mechanism, but which I just realized I can completely reskin. So I can't say what it is, um, and I can't say... Um, Anything more, the chances of me using this material, which has been written for Greymoor, where Mr. Mir is, you know, part of that world for classic fantasy, but the chances of me using that with these guys is very low. And even if I do, it's not like the end of the world. So I kind of figured I'm gonna t- I'm gonna basically steal two things. I'm gonna steal a village map and I'm gonna steal a tower map. And I'm just gonna reskin it and uh, repopulate it, and that'll be that. So, wow, I've just saved myself hours of time. Awesome. So, yeah, <laughs> feeling good about tonight. Really excited now. It's cool. Right then, I'm about as done as I'm ever going to be, I think. I'm going to stop prep. Um, I have altered um, some village notes that I had uh, to be refuge on my map on Fire Island. And I've also altered uh, an old uh, a piece of writing I did on a particular tower and turned that into Dragon Watch, and I've just taken that wholesale. It's made a couple of tweaks around kind of creatures that are in the area, but very little change. Um, and actually, it's really deepened things. It also means I can potentially import other parts of the adventure that I'm cannibalizing. So there's a couple of locations that I could use, and there's even a great subplot for maybe, not this session, I guess, but maybe next session. It depends, I guess. I'm lower those expectations. It's like... I don't want to say what the story's going to be. But hey, yeah, I'm prepped. So, ooh, you know, it's 11 o'clock. Just gone 11 on Friday morning. Games tonight. I'm going to chill out for the rest of the day. And um, yeah, I'm prepped. Let's do this. Game on. All right, so it's the morning after. Um, and it was a good game. You have to understand it's 7 a.m., and I think the guys left about midnight after a fairly lengthy conversation about the merits of older and newer game systems. And it is interesting to note that both my players broadly seem to have a good time. It was an interesting session because it was very... Um, the pacing was quite slow, actually, once we got out of the city. So let me recap. They... They had the meeting with Jalil, and that was good. In fact, the, probably the best encounter, from my perspective, was the guard on the door. And when I think about it, of all the interactions that we had, it was the only interaction that I'd actually prepared for. I used the Angry GM's guidance for that, the four Ps, and um, I'd set it up as an interaction, and it stood out in stark contrast for me as a GM to all of my other interactions where for all the prep that I'd done, I hadn't actually prepped those interactions. Interaction scenes are my weakness. They're my absolute Achilles heel. And I know this when I'm prepping, I never seem to adequately prep them. So I really struggled. I particularly struggled 
with the scene um, when they got to the Isle of Fire, they went down south to um, the village of refuge, and I particularly struggled there. And I think I improvised, but I felt far less confident. Um, they had a long interaction with the head, the elven head lady of the, uh, the village, Puria, and um, I was totally improvising. And I think it was a weaker scene from my perspective. I'd actually forgotten to prep the NPC interaction, and it's my weakness, it's my Achilles heel, so I guess it's the one thing I need to do, it's what I need to do. There were um, a couple of bits that, yeah, I struggled with there. On the upside, uh, the hex crawl stuff was fine. They only went to two or three hexes, but I could see how that works, and I was tracking time. It was good, it was fine, I was happy with that. Um... I had more stuff that I'm ever going to need. I think Pete and Andrew, um, there was a lot of talk around my prep because I have this huge binder full of notes and um, there was a lot of comment about, oh my goodness, <laughs> Pete was <laughs> Pete was commenting about how I'd, um, I was the guy, if anyone could over-prep, it would be me. Um, and uh, I think Andrew was sort of saying, well, you know, I don't think you'd ever be over-prepped, but... Um, I think I gave it a good go. <laughs> I, I just think that um, that's probably the most honest feedback and comment I've had. It was before the game, and I think it's one of the most honest bits of feedback I've ever had, actually, in all my time as a GM, that it's obvious that over time these guys have noticed that I, I tend to like really overdo the prep. So what could I do to skim that down? I think I'm coming back to Slow Flourish's checklist, and I'm going to... Um, See if I can apply that a bit more. There are two things off it I didn't do. I didn't think about my NPCs enough. And I didn't think about magic items. The magic item stuff I was thinking, I don't know what the characters are. It's very hard to choose what to give them. And it was only going to be a short adventure, so I didn't worry. I don't think that mattered. One thing that did pop into my mind at the end of the session, I took some advice from Sly Flourish and um, just asked them what kind of things they might like. They sort of struggled actually a little with that. But we did get some answers and I made some notes, so that's cool. Um, yeah and then there's the whole thing of NPC prep and I'm going to use the angry GM stuff I just really need to do that I think I almost need a little like tiny little template for that you know just the 4P stuff and um, objections and incentives just kind of there really I think it would help me a lot Okay, on prep then, talking about being over-prepped. Yeah, I found, actually I found my notes for the village, which were very much the ones I'd written um, for publication before. And I found most of that quite useful, but I want to, I think I want to break the descriptive parts away from the character stuff. And I think I wanted to sort of spend a bit more time thinking about some of the relationships in the village. Um, when you're writing publication, I think you, with a very strict word limit, I think, you know, I, I find I just try to drop in a few ideas. As GM, I think I need to develop those. And again, it's coming back to actually spending time thinking about my NPCs. There were some great opportunities there, though, and the story was good. It was developing well. Um, and I think they're up for coming back. The nervousness about being alone. One of the discussions we had at the end of the session was they, they feel like with just two characters, it's they're kind of vulnerable. Um, and I kind of see that. 
I'm personally quite comfortable with the idea of a player having two characters going. Um, and I think that might help a bit at the table. So I kind of made that suggestion and there was some warmth to that. Um, I probably need to think about it a bit, but I liked the, you know, I can't see that I have a problem with that. It's whether the players want to play two characters. So that's an option. We also had a conversation about sort of vulnerability of characters in older school games. We're playing costs and crusades and they have many hit points. To be fair, they only had like one combat scene um, and uh, that hasn't reared its head yet. But, um, you know, it was it was worth commenting and worth thinking about. Like I, I think I jokingly said about how cap, you know, kind of making up a backup character is always a good plan in any old school game. And, you know, characters, we did to the two characters, and bear in mind these are both new players to the system. They were done in half an hour, and they spent quite a lot of time thinking about um, the gear. Even though I used the um, I used the Adventurer's Backpack book, um, and we got printed off a lot of the cards, that like on big sheets, actually, rather than on cards, because my cards are in the post and haven't arrived yet. Um but I printed off these sheets and they kind of liked those to a point, but they're kind of pricey. So even though they had like a load of equipment they could buy in a pack, they were then dithering about what weapon to buy and armor to buy. And yeah, this as ever, it's the equipment bit that slows people down. Other than that, I mean, they would have been done in half that time if they weren't dithering about equipment. So I don't know. The character creation stuff was fine. And I do need to encourage them to do more speedy, uh, development but you know they were having a good time they were fine all right i'm rambling now so i'm just going to wrap this up it was a good game i had a lot to learn um i don't think i need half the notes that i'm using the hours i've put into it i don't know in a way it seems like a an unnecessary investment i do have a couple of good places for them to go to i do have um some interesting characters out there that need development um, and that's what I can spend some time on. I also need to add to that hex map bid time. But hey, it's cool. It'll be different uh, players next time. Um, Andrew can't make it. I will have Ian back at the table. So it'll be interesting. But yeah, it was good. I'm feeling good. Tired. So there you have it. I did my first session of the campaign. Now the question is whether I can do another five. That's it for another GM's Journal episode. As always, please let me know what you think and drop me an anchor voice message to share your response. My goal is to create a community of discovery about role-playing games in which you can feel accepted, whether as a player or as a game master. Come and join the conversation. In the meantime, all that's left is to wish you a fond farewell and all the best at your gaming table. My name is Che Webster, And this has been a Roleplay Rescue GM's Journal episode. See you again on the flip side. Game on.